the numbers are going. Scotty, 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 guess what, guess what, guess what? Tell me, John, what? You're right next to me. This is like an unprecedented thing. This happens once every blue moon, but you're actually in the same place and we're recording in the same room. And I don't have to, to uh, fuck around with, a, with a, uh, the controls of a recorder, which are just hard to use because I'm stupid. I, I think, yeah, I mean, this is the first time I've been here since, in, oh, it's been well uh, just over a year, maybe, since we last saw each other face-to-face. I thought, well, this is anywhere we're going to get a decent episode out, really, isn't it, as if I just bring the recorder to you. Mm. So tell me, how was your time in Guantanamo? <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I clash with Orange a little, <laughs> but, uh, and the food could have been better, but other than that, it was quite relaxing. Ah, uh, so here we are, John. Sat in the apartment, looking out the window. Beautiful sunny afternoon over um, San Francisco. Uh, it's actually two days ago since we last spoke. So whether we've got anything to speak about, but uh, John, how have your two days been? Well, my two days have been spectacular, and I was reminded once again. I complained last time about how much effort it takes to put together a slide deck, and I want to double down on that. Although um, I did accomplish something which made me happy, in that. In, in preparation for one of the slides I wanted to show, I actually said, well, I could completely fake it, but I don't know how to use Photoshop really very well. Um, so I'd rather just write some code and get what I need to do so I can make a screen grab. And if I do a screen grab, I may as well kind of make it a little bit more real. And then I made it into something that you could actually test in the app and, and run it with a screen movie, um, which is very good. And I discovered some little trick. I'm, I'm, I'm always impressed at, at Apple's screen recorder. Uh, and at how good Siri can be on certain occasions. And so to make a point about about uh, computer accessibility, I was able to do it with a combination of, of Siri and the screen recorder. I thought everything was great except for when you do screen recordings, you can opt to have the microphone on and off. And if you do that, it basically, it, it can sometimes be exactly what you want because you'll you'll get system sounds, right? So if you're doing a screen movie of a game, you want the game sounds. Um, but you may not necessarily want your grunting and groaning and hooping and hollering. Um, but I would like to have the microphone on oftentimes if I'm going to do a little bit of narration. As it turns out, if you're doing a narration or if you're trying to capture the complete experience of Siri, there's no substitute for having to do two recordings, one audio and one screen movie, and then you can put them together with iMovie. And that's what I had to do in order to have uh, to, to get a point across uh, in one of my slides. And so these are the types of things you do when you have love in your heart for your audience. Wow. Sounds like you're really putting a lot of work into this. Are you, are you doing your slides in Keynote? Of course. There's nothing. Uh, there's no other app to use. Certainly not PowerPoint and certainly not Google Slides. I mean, not that I even use particular advanced features of it, but I have to say it is a beautifully designed piece of software. If nothing else, even just the guidelines of it, when you put something on, it becomes brain dead easy to make sure things are properly aligned. And if you need to, to crop photos or to, you know, you know, twiddle the video a little bit or to, to make build-ins and stuff like that, it, it really, I think it, it is the, the Steve Jobs crowning software since that's probably his main application was Keynote. Yeah, I think if you want to do, and obviously, do you do lots of nice fancy transitions and animations? I don't. I just don't think it's necessary for what I want to do. I mean, it, it's it's very easy to do. I think the the only type of transitions, I mean, the only animations I do are, are slide build-ins, so that if I'm going to make a point, I'm going to ask a question and then answer it with one or two bullet points. I just make it so that when you 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 know click to advance, it will build up the slide under your control, so you can have a, a bullet point. But here's one thing: is that 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 I. I looked at a slide presentation. I was, I was in a meeting and there was a slide presentation. I was again reminded about how bad it can be um, 
just because you may think that you're doing yourself or, or your audience a favor by having information-dense slides, but nobody, if they have to read very, very carefully, then they're not going to be listening to you. And if they do that, there's no point in there being a presentation. There's no substitute to having an impactful image and one or two bullet points um, in order to get something across. And in this particular case, since I am talking about accessibility, I had to do a fair amount of research about the origins of it, because one of the points I'm going to make is is that you know accessibility is, is in most people's minds may think to do with accessibility in the physical world, and that's true. So you think about people in wheelchairs and the fact that there are now wheelchair ramps everywhere, and that wasn't always the case. And I'd done some research about about the people who were involved in it, and I don't want to give away all my presentation, but as it turns out, one of the star actors of of the fight to get the Americans with Disabilities Act passed, was born in Burlingame and actually was a student at UC Berkeley. It's quite an interesting history. And when my presentation is done, I'll link out to it. But I came across a, a, uh, a, a, a radio broadcast from a called, that's called 99% Invisible, which is a great podcast, which talks about the hidden history of everyday objects or experiences or designs. And uh, I will link that to the show notes because it's a great story unto itself, whether you care about accessibility or not. But uh, you, you keep working on things and you think, okay, well, I'll just do this one thing. But if you care about the quality of it and trying to really get the, the whole thing working, it's quite a bit of work. I mean, e- even something else that I did is, is you know, I, you, you walk through the city all the time and, and, and you think, okay, well, here's something that would be a snarky thing to put on Instagram or something to put in, in a slide presentation. But I actually talked to a friendly neighborhood skateboarder who was willing to, <laughs> to skate off of a, a curb cut just for the, the sake of, of illustrating I have a point I have in one of my slides. And it was a little bit weird. I sat there for a moment trying to say, okay, how do I, how do I explain to somebody so that within 15 seconds they know I'm not an axe murderer and I'm not asking something stupid? stupid and in the end it wasn't that hard so it's, you know hi i'm a software engineer at netflix and and etc cetera, etc cetera, with about five seconds yeah sure no problem cool i think the whole uh, there's quite a few things come up from there um let me just deal with the accessibility one first of all uh, the, i think the accessibility thing is there's always more it can always be better uh and i think a lot of us as you said don't think about accessibility till we need something to be accessible and not necessarily because of a physical disability because of any anything um, but equally, sometimes when you do have experiences of things being accessible, you can still, um, you know, not realize it could be better. Or, for example, so a, a good example is my wife is a wheelchair user, and um, you know, the UK is okay at accessibility with drop curbs and everything you're saying. But we recently went to Japan for a vacation, and suddenly realized, oh my word, this city is so accessible compared to the uk now i'm now we're back in the uk and i am constantly moaning about how inaccessible it is whereas two months ago i thought it was okay-ish because it's just what we were used to it was the level we're used to and then you suddenly realize it can be done so much better and so sometimes you know it takes people to even people who who use this stuff it takes someone else to open their eyes to actually don't just accept what you've got look for more have more because uh you know it, it can be done better and then when someone does it better you're thinking i want it done better so I think hopefully the thing things is uh, I mean I know we were talking about your talk but because there are uh, apps like Netflix and others that are trying to become the you know, as accessible as they can be hopefully that will inspire users with accessibility needs to start demanding more of other applications because they're now realizing what can be done. 
Interesting. So I, I want to drill down on this a little bit. So what were some of the things that you found that were, were better? Like, and, and, and that's the first question. The second question is, is there anything that would have been done that in any way inconveniences you as somebody who may not use these things? My guess is that at best it's neutral, but more often the case, it's probably very helpful. And that's one of the points that I, I make in my presentation. Um. Okay, so this is, firstly, we're talking about we were in the city, so cities are always different to rural locations, so we can only compare city to city. Um, we have a guest on the podcast, Amy the dog is trying to join us here on the uh, on the podcasting couch. Come on up. Oh, there we are. So here we go. We can now, so any dinging you're hearing is uh, is Amy joining in. She probably has far more interesting things to say than we do. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yes, we were in the city, so it's... Um, it's different to a rural situation, and you have the budget and the resource in the city often to do more things. It was simple things, just literally not expecting people to have to walk an extra uh, 30 yards or 20 yards at a junction to find a dropped curb. Just make sure they were everywhere. Uh, in in Tokyo and Kyoto and Osaka, which were the three Japanese cities I went to, on most streets, they didn't even put pavements um, unless they were really busy streets. They just had white line sections, so there was nothing to get up and down. You just the road was wide, it was uh, a big thick white line. Cars respected it, and people did it. Now these weren't massively busy interstate type streets, um, so you didn't even have to worry as a as a as a person with a wheelchair about getting on and off the pavement because there wasn't one to deal with. Virtually everywhere had an elevator, which we don't necessarily take for granted in the UK. When you go somewhere, you just assume you can't go to a lot of places. So we we can pause. Okay, so we're back. We had a little break there. I mean, how many other podcasts do you listen to in the tech industry where you, you, you stop for a quick dog de-ticking session? <laughs> uh, I think we were talking about uh, how uh, what was what was different, and it wasn't, um, as I was saying, about there being more, yeah, the roads not having pavements unless they really needed them, um, and there being more elevators in places. Uh, so you, we began to, we were only in Japan for just over two weeks, you, know, you began to just go places without really having to consider whether it would be accessible or not. You just began to assume that it was, whereas often you look things up to say, well, can I get there if it's accessible? Now, obviously, if you went to an ancient monument or something, you, know, you might not be the same, but in modern, modern the modern city. So, yeah, so what I'm saying is, but now my expectations of what an accessible town or city should be are higher than they were before. Uh, because I've experienced it, and so hopefully what I'm saying is, you know, people when they use more accessible apps will suddenly start demanding more from other apps, and that will um, that will help. So, um, I was curious about in in the UK because in the United States the the kind of moment zero was something called the Americans with Disabilities Act, which actually George Bush Senior, uh, when he became president, he signed that into law, and, and he's you know. Remembered for a few things, but one of the things that that he did, he presided over the the dissolution of the the, the Soviet Union and the breakdown of the, of the Berlin Wall, and so he he kind of referred to the signing this this act as as something as as bringing down a, a, another type of wall. And so after then, there was all sorts of legislation. So that was in nineteen ninety. What was it? Nineteen ninety-two, I guess, is when is when he started, um, or actually, you no, know, when he finished. So eighty-eight to ninety-two. 
And so I don't know exactly when it was, but some it would have been sometime in that time. Was there a similar point in the UK? Because I know, for example, in the world of software, the BBC is is really driven lots of different things for requirements for closed captioning, accessibility, and they, they, they actually created, I think, some of the standards that are used around the world for that. Is there some moment zero uh, that existed in the world of, of UK accessibility? Um, I don't know is the answer to that. Um, like most people, I became more aware of accessibility when it affected my life. So... I suddenly noticed how few drop curbs we have or where the drop curbs were really really inconvenient places once I was pushing a wheelchair around places in, until then, I don't know. I mean, there has definitely been uh, an attitude for many years now that things need to be better and, and um, you know, any modern building or new building that's built has to have uh, uh, accessibility built into its design. So, I mean, it, there, and, and I think that is a legal requirement. So, obviously, the law... The laws have changed for that now. Whether there was some pinnacle moment, I don't. I don't know, and I probably should should know. Um, oh, I've just thought another thing. In Japan. Every pavement, when there was a pavement, had the uh, the raised um, knobbly bit lying down the middle for so you could always find your way down the middle of the pavement. Mm. That's another thing. Now, I wasn't using that one, but it was obviously very noticeable. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but I mean, I think you know, maybe with accessibility in apps now. We are in a similar position that the world was over disability um, in the 90s, and we're beginning to make that revolution of, you know, the law began to change in the US then. I should imagine it was probably much, pretty much the same in the UK and Europe. It was probably that sort of period of time. So maybe we're in the, the app world. We're in the 90s of change, and uh, so who knows where it's going to be in 10 15 years time and you would have been considered a pioneer uh, i doubt i would hardly call myself that there are many people actually are and in, in some ways like you know i've i've, I've i was remembering uh, the presentation made by, made by dave addy um at ns conference some time ago and it was a uh, for a a train uh, you know a british train scheduling software and i just remember him saying that you know one of the things he cared about working on was accessibility which really gave an assistant to him because he wasn't the only app that did that but it happened to do this and so this is like one of those apps where you know if if people who who need it who are blind for example they depended on it and so they were certainly super loyal to the app because he cared enough to to make it that way and that's kind of one of the points i make is like you know when you're going to give a presentation about your product um, you always need some type of hook, right? Because there are three or four in the same category. You might do something else. It's another way of saying that, you know, here's one reason why you might want to write about it because it enables people to do this thing, right? Or or to, to have a more comfortable experience. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's, uh, when... You know, I'm, I'm just thinking about this a little bit because obviously we're doing we're going through UI redesigns and money well and everything at the same time and, and you know how we're going to make money well accessible for Mac and iOS are, are questions we're asking ourselves and it's uh, I think sometimes the, the mobile the mobile industry has made some of this stuff obviously the fact that this stuff is built into our frameworks and the very OS and everything opens stuff up straight away but equally. Um, iOS and Android apps tend to be, uh, I'm going to use the word simpler, uh, as in, in a purpose of Netflix app, for example, you want to find something to watch and you want to watch it. And you may wish to then rate, rate it or comment it or say you liked it. But you know, it breaks down into a number of very obvious things you want to do. Um, you know, train times, you want to look up a train, you want to know where your train is. And, and that's t- t- fairly typical of mobile apps that they tend to be more 
single purpose. Uh, I'm interested to find if we have good examples of more uh, apps that have lots more multitude of functionality, such as a home budgeting app or a home financing app, where you can maybe have 30, 40 different types of things you want to do and how accessibility works in, in one of those scenarios, how how just even finding out what the app can do or when you're running the app in there. And so if people out there have examples of apps that do that well, I'm partly because it's a discussion we've been having now for months on this podcast, but equally I'm trying to solve the problem myself. Uh, be quite interested to know how you approach that and how that might be different in a way to when it's in a, an app that maybe has a little bit more more focus. I mean, if you come across uh, in, in sort of your research any sort of more complicated sort of, I guess, Mac apps or whatever else that, that handle this sort of stuff well? Um, I haven't for, 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 I mean, I get what you're saying. And I think that, that a lot of it has to do with very complicated things. I mean, it, it's not exactly what you're saying, but you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm going to be getting on a plane, I, that, you know, a, a, a week or so before you got on a plane, I think by law, you know, the, the airlines are required to, to capture your information, your, your passport and your residence and all that information. And so the, the Air France app, you can either go and enter it. Or you could just have it take a picture of of your passport and it can glean the information. And so I think that that may provide a hook, right? And, and this is a perfect example of something where you know using the camera to be able to to to, to capture the information. I could see well, it's filling in details from a passport, and that's highly structured. It's known how it is. But there's also even a receipt, for example. So I can think for something about budgeting or finance software where it's like, okay, well, one of the things you have to do is you have paper receipts, and maybe something that takes a picture for it. Because I, I, you know, and I don't know if whether that's a tremendous amount of work that you would have to do, or there's some things that are already built into the the OS or or frameworks that are there for for like, for instance, determining if you've got a piece of paper, how to how to make it kind of rectilinear. You know, even if if you're holding at a strange angle, some of the things you see for for correcting photos, for example, or or scanning apps that are in there. So I think it's it, it's it's one of those cases where there 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 may there may be some simple ta- some tasks that are so impossible to do if if you can't see, and even if you can, they could be made so much more convenient if if you can use the the, the camera and and some of the you know computer vision and OCR stuff um, bring that to bear. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting journey. Interesting journey. Right, so um, what have I been doing? Oh, no, let's go back to your presentation software. Yeah, I sometimes use, um, I agree, Keynote is amazing, but I sometimes use Dexet because I'm not a person who um, does a lot of slides. Uh, this, This fits the type of talks I do. My talks tend to be a little bit more generic about attitude as opposed to about specifics, you know, I'm not showing lots of code or anything like that, or or lots of UI. So I don't need lots of images necessarily, or that much video. I can, but um, what I like about Dexet is actually it just it's a presentation software that just renders Markdown. So my presentation is just a single Markdown text file that I can, if I want to change it, I just go in and change the text file, and then it just turns it into a slide when you show it. So. I, I find that good, but it's definitely not really flashy like keynotes and whatever else. So it's a, yeah, so it's mm, balancing it up to do I want that nice transition or do I just want to? I, I, fa- I, love, the, I love the fact that I can keep my presentation in source control, see different versions of it, have different branches of it, whatever, because it is just a markdown file. But um, I do lose out of stuff. Anyway, that's a different thing. Right. Uh, so I'm here in California, as we mentioned on the show. But last week for the listeners, two days ago for us sat here, <laughs> um, 
uh, because we're trying something new because um, up until now the way we have been working on money well is is myself and matt and sam are in the company um uh, sam is a trainee developer and myself and matt are experienced developers and myself and matt have been trying to do sort of like uh 50 contract work and 50 percent on money well to to sort of you know fund its redevelopment because it's its current income is not going to keep anybody alive um that way but yeah it's it's really quite hard context switching between um you know uh, thread a week between different uh things products whatever you're doing so we're moving into a period where uh, one of us is contracting and the other is working on moneywell um in order to try and fund things equally going and i'm doing the contracting but i equally have some uh things to do on moneywell that i, I want to be doing so i'm I'm now back in this full-time contracting and trying to fit stuff in. So it's going to be a different bit of a life for me now to try and work that round. Um, uh, however, I'm going to be product managing really well because I decided as I'm not the one working on the code all the time, I can take a slightly more separate view of how we're doing and the progress and whatever else in there. So uh, the client we have is here in uh, California. So I'm over here on the initial initial site visit. Quite amusing if the client requires background checks before you can really be um in their offices unattended so uh, i'm in the offices for a couple of weeks at the moment and um i have to be escorted everywhere so whenever i need a bathroom break i have to like put my hand up like i was in school and ask if someone can escort me to the bathroom or when it's lunchtime escort me to the cafeteria or back to the uh, back to the car park or parking lot as you would say so it is um it's a little funny i have a critically important question are do you have to to unzip yourself and 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 or does somebody have to do that for you? Fortunately, once I'm, well, well, there are certain areas that are uh, open to the public or they're in a more public space. Uh, and once I'm in those areas, I'm free. And all the bathrooms are off of those areas. So once I'm there, I, I can be un- left unattended. Otherwise, I will be seriously reconsidering this contract. <laughs> I assure you. But I've been going through all the normal sort of getting hardware set up, getting passwords, getting accounts and all that this week and, and uh, getting things doing. But I uh, did, did manage to submit my first uh, fixes to Codebase within my first couple of days. That's always a good feeling when you're working on a brand new project and you manage to get some code accepted in your first day or two there. So was it fixes to your code or somebody else's? I, no, it was definitely fixes to... Yeah, I think I, I think it was somebody else's. Amy the dog wrote that one. Yes, it's in there. So, um, uh, so it's good. So it's going to be interesting to see because obviously one of the problems I've had. You know, I've you know, people who've listened to this podcast for a long time. One and I've always I like doing products, but financially um, consulting, you know, especially with a family and whatever else, you know, just never been in a position to take a year out to do that or whatever. So I always had to have an income. Um, so I've been trying for many years to do the consulting with something on the side and the side has never been um, enough time, motivation, whatever it might be to get it done. Um, but now as a team and being part of that, I'm going to be interesting for me to see how different that feels because I am definitely, you know, the product is not going to be able to be developed without me doing what I'm doing. Um, I am still going to be involved and it is going to be making progress. So uh, just going to see how, my, how much engaged I can be coding wise how much emotionally I'm going to feel attached or unattached to it because I'm not necessarily working on it. So it's going to, I think it's going to be a, an interesting, maybe challenging few months to see what happens on, on the money wealth from point front from, from me personally there anyway. So 
there we are. That's that's quite a lot to say for two days <laughs> in there or whatever. So, what are you going to do this week coming up, John? You've got, uh, I mean, you've gone through thing, but you've got exciting stuff coming up. I understand you're you're moving around a little bit. I am. Well, so the other thing that's going on is there's a studio hack day that's coming out. So I'm going to be going to our LA offices on the 15th. Uh, and so this is something, you know, I've talked about Hack Day in the past, and, and we've we've run it up here in, in, in Los Gatos, and it was for people who work on the Netflix platform. But since Netflix does a lot of, of, of original content production, we have our own studio, and, and, and uh, there's a lot of people working on it that they decided at some point, it's like, well, do Hack Day for that, because there's a lot of software development going around that. And uh, it was interesting having some of the, the planning sessions for it, and, and it... it I've done a bunch of hack days and, and, and I think over the time I've, I've gotten pretty good at, at figuring out what you can do and what you can get away with and how to make a, a video presentation and, and how to deal with the fact that you have very little time to work on your hack and then you have precisely two minutes to present it. And so the, the winning formula that I've found is always to have, you know, a one minute video, which sets the stage for it, which kind of can give the vision of why you want to do it, even demonstrates it. And then you have one minute to, to, to do some type of live demo to prove that it's real. Um, and so it, a lot of the times where, you know, you're, you're, you're doing both things at, at once, you're doing the video presentation, but in order to do the video presentation, if it's going to have screen movies or it's going to be over the shoulder looking at your software, you have to actually get the software working. So that's always the tricky thing. But I'm, I was thinking about, about how incredibly fortunate we have to have all these tools available. I mean, it's, it's still, sometimes I sit back and say, I can't believe that I can have this device in my pocket, which captures such incredibly good video and then lets you edit it and then lets you do screen movies of it uh, of of running software that if if you have an idea and you want to be able to sell that idea for whatever reason whether you're trying to get a hack day done or to convince some your colleagues saying hey this is a good direction to go with the software it's we are in a pretty golden age to be able to do this stuff um and anyway so when we're having meetings about it there's always a certain amount of enthusiasm for the, the for the product as it might be or or the idea of what it might be 6 months down the line and yet yet you realize in order to get to that point you're trying to part of the reasons why we do hack days is because there are many things that were hacks that are are interlinearly used products all the time you know services products that that we use to do our work and some things that actually became features in in our shipping app so that's always the the kind of the payoff for doing this and which is why i I strongly suggested to my colleagues saying we all want to see this happen especially the people that that we're collaborating with uh down in, in los angeles who really have a vested interest in seeing what we're building getting built and so what we explain to them is is that you know what was what was being asked for what was being required is in the annals of computer science not the hardest problem in the world to to solve but it really requires somebody who has familiarity with how these software how 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 software is built how systems are are created how microservices work and and this idea that you can interest, introduce a new microservice that can be adapted by lots of different software that's in use today and and that you know, you for for somebody who doesn't do software development, everything seems magic. Which, by the same token, I think for somebody who doesn't do video editing or special effects every day, you know, things that they take for granted may appear to to, to be magic to us. So it's that it's very lovely to be able to have the experience of working with people who are in two different worlds but are now crossing over. So um, I'm hoping that uh, when we next do our broadcast, I'll be able to say, "Hey, we won." Even if we don't win, um, it will be great to be able to, to talk about the experience because I, I don't want to talk about it now. But uh, it's been fun working on. Okay, so I'm I'm a little confused here. You have a hack day, which I assume is a day of hacking and co 
there's loads of time you get in advance where you prep what you're going to do on a hack day and how you're going to work the hack day and your team's all ready together for the hack day. So it's literally, when it comes to the hack day, it's just that's the day that you do it. Correct. Right. So, so, I mean, in advance of it, there are mixers, right? So I think it was all the more important now in this one because software engineers are all up here. So uh, I guess uh, about two, three weeks ago, um, people who who wanted to go could come down from Los Gatos and they could get a tour of all the, the production facilities and understand a little bit about some of the, the, the work that's being do, done, kind of what some of the, the pain points are. Um, and then, then you could figure out kind of you, you could meet with people saying, hey, we're interested in this. So there was a mixer. So it's the same thing that's done up in, in Los Gatos. Um, it's just that it was it was done over a longer period of time. Usually what would happen is there'd be like a mixer a week or two at most before when it actually happened here. There was a little bit more lead time between when the mixers and the initial things were, were done and when the actual day takes place. So you 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 there there are some people who may join on the on the very day, but it's pretty typical to be able to to have people talking about and discussing it, but the actual work is not really done until in that period. So there's a, a whole space that's going to be set up and it's going to be available for 24 hours. But then at the, at some point, you know, so put your pencils down, you know, turn in your, your, your test booklet or in this particular case, you know, submit your video and get ready to, to find out when you're going to be on stage to present it and make sure uh, that you've, you've appeased the demo gods. Cool. So are you with the, um, the same team that did the retina reading NSA app, um, or is this you've put together a new team for this? Uh, actually, many of your favorite stars from Netflix iNav are, are going to be on this team because uh, we do work very well together, so that's good. So, uh, but then there's a whole uh, there are some other people that uh, that we have not worked with together before. You know, one who's a software engineer, but then there are a whole bunch of people that are down in LA that we've never worked before, but. We met for the first time, you know, not more than a few weeks ago. So that's that's really exciting and fun. Cool. Looking forward to seeing uh, and hearing about the results of that. So I think um, it's it's time we have to wrap up. We uh, it's um, coming up to three thirty on a Saturday afternoon. That's beer and ice cream time. Um, <laughs> it is in my part of the world anyway. So uh, John, if people want to um, wish you good luck for the hack day or bon voyage for your trip to to russia or, or you know or just generally throw abuse at you where should they do that well if they want to throw abuse we'll find out where they can heap abuse on you but if they want to send love and support in my upcoming adventures you can find me on twitter as jembe that's d-j-e-m-b-e like the west african drum now if they want to throw cold water on you or otherwise kind of uh, be mean towards you since since you're both having to kind of go out and, and work in the coal mine to support the kids back home who want to work on money well you're also the person on our team right now that has to to receive the abuse because amy the dog is not going to do it you're going to do it so where may where where might we have people direct their abuse if they want to reach you well actually i prefer if they just sent checks but <laughs> uh, they can get hold of me as mac devnet on twitter scotty or micro.blogger of course they can get hold of both of us by sending an email to feedback at ideveloper.co well, John, it's a beautiful day looking out your window across San Francisco and uh, it's been, been fun. We sat in the same room. The dog is here. I mean, probably the best guest we've had in a long time, the dog, and, and definitely uh, Trump's the co-host with that collar was really ding-a-lingy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it's been fun and thanks everyone to listen. And until next time, you take care. <laughs> We'll be right